Get ready, Avalanche Territory. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans. Denver Sports is your home for the most Avalanche content. Now here's your host, Mike Evans. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I am Mike Evans. Great to have you with us as we uh, take a look at what's going on with the Avalanche coming out of the All-Star break and uh, not a good start. Going to have to find their mojo again that they had prior to the All-Star break when they were playing some really good hockey, but they have come out of the break these first two games struggling offensively. Only one goal in the first two games, overtime loss to Pittsburgh, and then the uh, 5 nothing blanking at the hands of, of Tampa Bay. That Tampa Bay game was really a deceiving score. You see 5 nothing, and you're like, ooh, wow, geez, boy, I was, uh, ran into a buzzsaw. And in, in some respects, they did. You you had to know that Tampa was, was laying in wait for revenge after what happened in the Stanley Cup Finals, plus uh, a Tampa team that had lost two in a row. They had gotten um, blown out by uh, Florida. They had uh, had a long home winning streak snapped against San Jose. They hadn't lost three in a row all season. So you knew that they were going to come out and be ready to play. And But yet, throughout the, the first half of the hockey game, it was um, it was really an even game. The Avalanche were down one nothing. They were out-chancing Tampa Bay at that point. And, at the, you know, you, you just you saw a, a combination. You saw a lack of finish. Okay, you saw some uh, missed shots, missing, you know, good shooting opportunities, missing the net entirely. Uh, three different two-on-ones in which, in, in each case, it was overpassing. Uh, Jared Bednar talked about that during the uh, Behind the Bench interview with Emily Kaplan from ESPN. Uh, early early in the game, he, he said, hey, he'd like to get a little bit more traffic in front of the net, uh, maybe a little overpassing on the, on the two-on-ones, but he liked the way they were playing. And they were playing. It was right there. It was a one nothing game. Oh, and oh, by the way, Andre Vasilevsky was, <laughs> was, was certainly on his game as well. But halfway through the hockey game, it's a one nothing hockey game, and you're feeling like, hey, one goal, one goal, and the Az are right back into this, and you've shortened the game, and, and now you have a chance in the second half of the game to maybe go win this thing. But it, it all changed right with about, what, 11 and a half minutes left in the in the second period. Big save by Basileski on uh, Miko Ranton, and then the puck goes the other way, and uh, Sorelli and Hagel, uh, Anthony Sorelli and Brandon Hagel, just, just flat out out-hustled and out-dueled uh, three Avalanche players, Sammy Gerrard breathing exhaust fumes at the end, and two... Players beat three Avs uh, to the front of the net, scored the goal. Huge momentum swing. 2 nothing. at that point. You go from uh, a primo scoring chance by Rantanen at one end and then a goal right at the other end, and now it's a 2 nothing hockey game, and it's a, it's a huge swing, huge swing. And you just, after that point, you can just feel momentum swung. Uh, Byram, Bo Byram takes another hooking penalty, his second hooking penalty of the game. And then another power play goal. So two goals in the span of two minutes. Now it's three nothing, and that's the the ball game. And then the the Avs kind of let go of the rope after that, and uh, Tampa poured it on, and they get a satisfying five nothing win. So 
Where does that leave the Avalanche? Well, uh, it, it's it's kind of starting to become uh, a bit of a worry. Um, again, I'm I'm not I'm not panicking, but their their hold on a, a playoff spot is is not secure. They're twentieth in the league in scoring, and uh, they they clearly are continuing to get bit by the injury bug. Kale McCarr's out. More on that in a second. And then you also have the curious case of Gabe Landeskog. Uh, they, they, again, referenced an update on Gabe and how uh, he's been out all year. He's been going back and forth between Philly and Toronto for treatment and specialists. And I, I know they wrapped it up with a bow by saying, hey, good news, he's expected back in Denver here in the next week. But still... Uh, this is this is really worrisome because normally knees knee injuries like this they're, they're on a they're on a timetable right hey he's got a sprained knee he's gonna be out two to four weeks oh okay he's got arthroscopic knee surgery he's gonna be out uh, a couple of months oh he had his uh, ACL operated on he's gonna be out uh you know eight months to a year there's usually a timetable for these things and with Gabe it's just been shrouded in mystery. And very few updates. Where is he? Uh, why is he in Philly? Why is he in Toronto? Why isn't he here? Uh, just a lot of questions. And so this is not your typical knee injury. And so trying to be able to predict and and really be assured, I guess, that, that Gabe is going to be back and be Gabe and be the Gabe Landeskog that we uh, know and love in time for the playoffs just seems really, really iffy right now. And so we wait to see it. But, boy, they are missing him. Boy, they are missing him. Uh, not only what he brings as a player, but, boy, they do miss his leadership. It is it is obvious. Uh, I'll give you a quick comparison, uh, all, all, all the Bronco fans out there. It's like after Peyton Manning and DeMarcus Ware. Congratulations, DeMarcus Ware, going into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. But it's like after they left, there was such... So much leadership went through, uh, went with them, and you would have thought that the players who had been here with Peyton and with DeMarcus Ware, that it would have rubbed off on them and somebody would have been able to take the torch and kind of run with it, but but that wasn't the case with the, the Broncos. And it, it just doesn't seem to be the case right now. There, there's just something missing uh, right now with this, with this hockey team. And... I referenced the uh, the twentieth in the in the league in scoring. I, I think it's becoming you know really really obvious that the Avalanche are going to have to make uh, a significant move or moves to address that uh, that second line center uh, spot. They're just not getting the uh, you know the consistent uh, second line you know what Naz Kadri brought last year production and uh, the JT Comfers of the world, the Alex Newhooks, the Evan Rodriguez of the world. They've been okay, but clearly the numbers don't lie. They're 20th in the league in scoring. They're missing some pop. And so that that is something that's going to have to be uh, addressed. Uh, Kale McCarr out for the rest of the road trip uh, after suffering a, a concussion, the hit from Jeff Carter against Pittsburgh. I, I I'm with a lot of you. I don't get it. Well, I do get it. Uh, not only was there not a penalty call, but with the benefit of review, no suspension, uh, it was it was not 
how should, how should I put this? It, it was not a classic case of headhunting by Carter, but uh, this was not a case of just, hey, listen, I was uh, taking a line on uh, my, my skating, and I just happened to skate through Kale McCarr's head. Uh, you look at the different angles, and there, there's one in particular where Carter, he's aware. You, you Come on. It, it It's not hard to see. He's aware of McCarr. He's sees the proximity, the shoulder, the head, and he, he not only does he not try to get out of the way, he he really kind of just kind of kind of turned the right right shoulder a little bit and caught McCarr flush. And look, it wasn't it wasn't heinous, but it was it was a cheap shot. Should have been a penalty. Uh, should have at least been suspended. I think it speaks to a larger issue. And the the NHL disciplinary board, it's it's funny in a time in which hockey has really tried to, uh, in in their eyes, clean up the game, uh, reduced fighting to to basically being non-existent, uh, trying to cut down on the headshots, trying to cut down on the the boarding and the and the checks from behind, trying to cut down on that, but they still have that, I don't know, old school. Uh, when men were men, hockey is still a, 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 a physical, at times violent sport, and we don't want to get soft. And this isn't the NFL. <laughs> you know, the NFL, especially when it comes to its quarterbacks, but the way that they go uh, overboard to protect their quarterbacks. And say whatever you will about it, and, and a lot has been said, and I, I know the frustration that exists out there among football fans where you see just the the – uh, kid glove treatment that quarterbacks are given, and we can't believe some of the hits. Uh, I don't even want them to call them hits. The little love taps that result in flags. But you you understand the the larger idea behind it. Quarterbacks are stars. Quarterbacks are the faces of the league. They're the the big money ticket, and they need to be protected. That is the mentality of the NFL. These are our best players. These are our most recognizable players. These are our stars, and we're going to protect them. Well, doesn't the NHL have to do the same thing when it comes to a star like Kale McCarr? Uh, I, I think that there has to be a message sent that, you know, hey, we're not going to allow those kind of things to happen to our best players. But see, this is, again, where the the old-school, old-fashioned way of hockey gets in its way, and and that is the idea that really no one player is bigger than anybody else, and it's the classic team, 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 team above player, team above individual, that, that ethos that the uh, NHL has always uh, stood by, and they're very proud of it, and they should be proud of it. I don't want hockey to go soft, but in this case where it doesn't take uh, a, a ton uh, to, to – to understand that there was some uh, premeditation there by by Jeff Carter on the on the hit on McCarr, and like it or not, Jeff Carter is not as good a player as Kale McCarr. And when you have the the players like a Carter out there who might feel, hey, let's take a little bit of a run here at a Kale McCarr and maybe knock him out of the game, maybe knock him off his game, maybe he has to miss a few shifts, whatever. If it gives us a chance to win, let's do it. And that's something the NHL has to uh, stand up for. And when when your own disciplinary board, with the benefit of hindsight, with the benefit of looking at replays, 
Uh, still can't come to that conclusion. It tells you that there's still a lot of old school, old boy way of thinking uh, when it comes to uh, today's NHL that still gets in the way of today's NHL. And I think we saw it right there in the case of uh, Kale McCarr. So the uh, Avalanche uh, soldier on on this this road trip. They'll be uh, back home to to play Tampa on Tuesday, and and we'll see how they respond in that game. I, I said this on the, the, the Schlereth and Evans show the other day. When it comes to the Avalanche, I, I'm not asking a lot of them right now. Here's here's kind of the deal, the bargain I'm willing to make with the Avs. I understand that you're you're not going to be at your best for this, this full season. It's hard to do. You win a Stanley Cup, short off season. It's just hard to maintain that motivation. And I'm okay with that. And I understand that. And I'm not freaking out that the Avalanche aren't in first place overall or first place in the division. Um, I, I, I just want them to make the playoffs. And wherever they are seated, one through eight, uh, they are going to be very dangerous if they have everybody back healthy and ready to go uh, for the postseason. So that that's my deal with them. I'm not asking a ton from that standpoint. Uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. The only thing I'm asking from them is that occasionally – They have to flip that switch. They have to give me, they have to give you that glimpse that, okay, the Stanley Cup champs are are still in there. (laughs) You know, they're still there. They haven't disappeared. They're still in there. Maybe it's a little uh, cloudy and murky right now, but they're still there. And you need those kind of performances uh, occasionally just to remind us. And they did that. Coming off the low point loss to Chicago, they hold the team meeting. They quickly run off a winning streak, win uh, seven of eight going into the All-Star break. So they, they showed us that, hey, they can respond when ultimately pushed. And that's that's the only thing that, that I'm asking of this team. Uh, and with the game on, against Tampa coming up on Tuesday, I think that would be a, a, a great example of what I'm talking about. Hey, you, you're not playing that great. Uh, you just got thumped by Tampa. Um, it's Tampa. It's the second game in about five days against them. Hey, come on and really give me an effort. Really give me a showing. Uh, have that electricity in the building crackling so that I, I can come away from it going, hey, whatever happens over the long haul of the season through the dog days of the NHL season, I can still trust you guys to be there and turn it on and uh, and give it to us when uh, they ultimately need it and be ready to go come playoff time. So we shall see. Uh, enjoy your weekend, everybody. As uh, the season grinds on, and we'll be back again next week with another edition of the Mile High Hockey Podcast.